Hey, it's Melissa here, the host of the Filled with Gold Widow podcast. I've had an amazing time doing this podcast, and I'm so grateful for all of you who have listened and supported me along the way. As you might know, I've been working on a new podcast with my two widow besties, Kim Murray and Jen Zwink, called the Widow Squad Podcast. And I've made the decision to focus all my energy on it. The Widow Squad Podcast is a show that provides a space where widows can come together share stories, and find comfort in knowing they're not alone. It's a show we're really passionate about and hope that you'll give it a listen. If you've enjoyed Filled with Gold, I know you'll love the Widow Squad podcast. It's the same kind of honest, heartfelt, and sometimes funny conversations that you've come to expect from me. But it's also a show that will give you a deeper understanding of what it means to be a widow. So if you're ready for a new podcast, I hope you'll check out the Widow Squad podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're not ready to say goodbye to the Filled with Gold Widow podcast, you can always go back and listen to all the old episodes. Whether you're a recent widow or have been on this journey for a while, we're here to support and empower each other. So come join us. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the Widow Squad podcast. You're listening to the Filled with Gold Widow podcast the show that puts you in touch with expert resources to support you in moving forward after the death of your spouse and life partner. I'm your host, Melissa Pierce. Let's dig in. On this week's Filled with Gold Widow podcast, we're chatting with Catherine Tidd. Catherine is the author of Confessions of a Mediocre Widow, the owner of Social Seed Marketing, and the founder of the Widow Chick Facebook page. She's also the contributing author of several essays in books and anthologies on grief and recovery, and has authored blogs for the Mile High Mamas. Welcome to the show. It's so great to connect with you and and get to share this time with you. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. Yeah. Well, let's let's start. If you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about your, your widow story. Sure. So my husband passed away in 2007. He was in an accident on his way to work. So it was very sudden. Um, my kids were five, three and one at the time. So, so very young. Uh, yeah. So we, again, it was a, it was a sudden loss. And, and certainly, I mean, I, I even say that even if somebody has been ill for a long time, when, when you actually lose somebody, it still feels very unexpected. So um, beyond that, I, you know, being a young widow at the time, that was pretty, you know, Facebook was somewhat new. That was before we had a lot of online communities, certainly mm-hmm. before we had all the stuff we have now. And, uh, I really struggled to find, um, support that I resonated with as a younger widow with children. And so, uh, I just kind of on a whim started the widow chick Facebook page and started blogging. Um, that really became part of my coping mechanism. I kind of made a deal with myself that I would never end a blog either on a sad note or without having learned a lesson from what, from the experience I was dealing with. So it kind of had me looking through, looking at grief through the lens of humor. And I really do think that that, that helped me cope. Um, and so even when something terrible would happen, I would think, okay, just give it a few days. You're going to find the funny in this. And, Mm -hmm. and I would start writing about it. So that's kind of how all that, all that came about. Mm -hmm. So, and what, what, what is a mediocre widow Define that for me? (laughs) Because you're not mediocre. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like 
you know, now time and perspective helps a lot. So now it's, you know, it's been 15 years, Mm -hmm. but, uh, at the time I just felt like I was doing everything wrong. I felt like I was doing everything backwards actually, because instead of, you know, I'd always pictured widows just when something like that happens, they shut down, they can't get out of bed there, you know, that was the picture I had in my head. And I was almost manic. I mean, I just did not stop running. And I just felt like I was making mistake after mistake. And, and it's really hard too, because especially at the beginning of widowhood, you're, you're watched. I mean, I don't even want to say that it's all in your head. You are being watched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, You've killer. got little, little kids too, you know, yeah, like really but I mean, everybody's looking at you to see, is she coping? Okay. Mm-hmm. And Oh, well, this is what I would do in that situation. You know, it just kind of feels like uh, everybody's, you know, you're on everybody's radar. And so yeah. I just, I felt like I just couldn't do anything right. Yeah. So that's kind of how that came about. And and again, after the book came out and through the widow chick page, I mean, I just think that we all go through moments like that where we're yeah. just like, I'm not, I'm not doing this right. Right. And there is no right way. I mean, it's I know ridiculous. there is no, <laughs> I had a, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and she's like, there is no right or wrong way to be a widow. There's just, and, it's just, it is you know, what it is. And I think that we say that and, and other people say that to us, but to internalize that and really mm-hmm. understand that and give ourselves some grace. And, you know, that is, that's a whole other situation. And I actually, I recently wrote something because um, I think about the person I was when he first passed away and dealing with those small children and she, that person feels like a whole other person to me. It doesn't feel like it was me. And the moment that I had that realization, I actually started to cry because I thought I have so much compassion for that woman, Mm -hmm. for what she went through. And it does, it feels like two separate people. So looking back at her, I'm like, my gosh, how did she do that? I mean, how did she get up? How did she do that? Yeah. Were you, were you really hard on yourself? Can you maybe go back to some of that mental talk that was going on in your brain? Was there any of that going on? Like, you're like, I should be doing this better. I should be, you know, spinning all the plates and none of them crashing to the ground. Absolutely. And I think that again, that is where um, support from other widows is so important. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I had found, um, a support group with younger widows in it that I really clicked with. And since then I've realized kind of how rare that is to, Mm -hmm. to find that group uh, that I realized in talking to them that we were all just crazy, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so. And it made, and that normalized it for me that, you know, we're, we're all just doing the best we can and we go off the rails sometimes. And so um, just having those conversations with other widows, it just, I've yet to have something. I'll always think something's crazy in my head mm-hmm. and I'll put it out to the community and have thousands of people say, Oh no, but I went through that too. You know, yeah. I mean, and then you're like, Oh, well then. Or you just okay. get this knowing look, if you're with them in person, they're like, yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Done that, and, been there. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I, you know, I had the widow chick blog for a long time and then I wanted to really kind of branch out and, and blog about other things other than just grief. And the second blog that I started, I actually titled, yes, you're crazy because I just wanted somebody and somebody had just said that to me, you know, instead of like, oh, I feel crazy. And I'm saying, no, you're not. 
you're fine. I wish somebody had said, oh yeah, like, yeah, you're crazy. And you're going to be that way yeah. for a little while. I'd have been like, oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> yeah, you're crazy. And it's kind of normal. For, it is for, normal. Yeah, so, okay. For yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Did you feel when you go back, going back to when you said you were kind of being watched in those early days, did you feel pressure to on the outside be like, yeah, I got this all handled this is, I'm all good. Or, or how was that for you? Um, a little bit of both, you know, I had, I, I did feel like that in a way, you know, I feel like when you have children, um, I do feel like for them, especially that I, I almost had to kind of schedule my grief, um, because they were so young and my husband traveled a lot before he passed. And so they didn't really fully understand. I don't think what that loss was necessarily. And so I didn't want to push my grief on them. Uh, if they, you know, I, I wanted them to see me cry a little bit, but mm -hmm. as far as getting into the ugly cry, you know, I would wait until they were in bed or, or things like that. So that was a little bit difficult. I think that what, um, helped a lot again was doing that blogging and was allowing myself to be vulnerable and admit that things weren't perfect and that things were really hard. And, and, you know, in 2014, I went through a terrible bout of anxiety. I had a panic disorder disorder that, um, really, uh, I was almost housebound. Mm -hmm. And so I find, I, and that was kind of my second round of being vulnerable when I found that I would share with people, this is what's going on, or I feel like I'm being a terrible parent or whatever people, people are genuinely, I think in their core, good people. And they would come back and say, you're not the only one going through this, or here are some resources I have, you know, that is the power of being vulnerable and sharing is that you mm -hmm. do, you get that support and you get answers a lot of times to what you're going through. Yeah. And so it was a little bit of both. I did feel like I was being watched, but part of me was just like, I'm just going to let this fly and you either accept it or you don't. And, and that's where we are. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for sharing about, um, you know, really struggling and being challenged. It was, sounds like that was seven years out. It was seven years out. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, looking back, I think that I've always had uh, anxiety issues with anxiety, even mm -hmm. when I look back to my childhood. And I, it's funny because I kind of see that in one of my children too. I can mm -hmm. kind of recognize the signs. Um, and I just feel like I let it go. And as everybody knows, who's probably listening to this, whether it's with anxiety or depression or grief, your body will not allow you to do that forever. Mm -hmm. And it just got to the point where it, it was literally when the book came out, and I was so excited and I'm flying and I'm doing these book signings and I'm doing all this stuff. And I got to Feb the book came out in January. I got to February of that year and told my agent, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And literally just shut down for a yeah. year. And again, I tried to treat that anxiety organically. I was doing yoga. I was doing everything that I felt like I could do to try not to get on medication um, because it made me nervous, just being, mm -hmm. just going through that process made me very nervous. And finally it had, it had been a year. I went, I worked with it for a year mm -hmm. and finally Christmas, I just went into my doctor. Actually, it's kind of funny because anxiety and depression often go hand in hand. I went into my doctor and I just start bawling. And I said, I have anxiety. And I know people say that that has to do with depression, but I swear to God, I'm not depressed. And I'm like, <laughs> 
crying and crying. And so, and she did end up putting me on, you know, a low dose Uh of anti-anxiety medication that helped greatly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's, um, I find it interesting. I'm, I don't talk about this. I don't think I've ever talked about this, but I like seven years later, like it does, it catches up with you. I, I wrote a book and then I had these other experiences that really kind of triggered the grief that I just did not deal with. I was still kind of shutting stuff down. And so my body, I mean, I had panic attacks. I didn't even know what they were. I was so confused. Me too. I'm like, what is happening here? I <laughs> like, thought I had I, vertigo. I thought that's yeah, what it was. Me too. It's like, wow, what it why am I floating above my body? This is weird. Why am I out of my body? And it was so, it was so confusing to me. And then, you know, I sought some treatment and really just having explained to me, like, here's, you have been blindsided by life again. It was, it was a car accident that, yeah. that it was just a, a fender bender, not a fender bender, but you know, I wasn't seriously, seriously hurt, but that triggered something in my body and I was a mess. Yes. And yeah. it, then it was in therapy. The therapist said, Hey, you've been blindsided by your husband's death. And then this car accident, you know, it was a rear end It's from out of nowhere. Cause my husband died very suddenly too. And it was just, it's like, oh, wow, this makes sense now. All yeah. the pieces are coming together. But at the time, it's so confusing and it scary. Confusing. And, and, I, and I truly do believe that, um, I mean, I hate to sound so woo-woo, but I do think that, you know, life experiences are incredibly powerful if you allow them to be. Mm-hmm. And even in that moment, you know, I went back to therapy, like, you know, heavy into therapy. And my therapist said, um, do you see that this is happening for a reason? And I, even then when I was so miserable, I said, yeah, I know this is happening for a reason. I don't, I don't know what it is yet, but I know Mm -hmm. it's happening. And I do think that, um, number one, again, it really forced me to, I had to do such a 180 with my life and I really had to picture my life differently. Um, and, but it also gave me such a deeper understanding of people with mental health issues who, you know, who do suffer from depression or or other mental health issues, there is nothing more miserable than not being able to escape your mind. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody understands that. And it is after going through that for a year, I thought if I can't get this fixed, what am I going to do? I mean, it just, you know, you can't escape it. So it did have, it did allow me to understand that experience on a much deeper level, I think. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really profound, like a a question to ask that your therapist asked you. I mean, it's like, yeah, I I want this to stop, please. But I'm also open to figuring out why this is happening. And what's, what's the lesson or what's the gift? What do I need to learn? What is, how powerful can this be in my life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you said you did a 180 with your life. What did, what did 180 look like for you? you oh my gosh. Well, okay. So at that point, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, whether I was going to go back to work. I mean, all the things that you picture yourself doing later in life, you want to travel or you want to do all these things. And I really was like, at that point, again, almost housebound and thinking, what, I mean, what is this going to look like? It was really crushing. So, you know, some of the things that I did, uh, you know, in the book I talk about, and I had a website that was a worldwide support website called the widowhood.com. And I ended up shutting that down, um, really as more of a self-care situation. I just couldn't be everything to everybody and something had to give. 
So that ended up going away. Uh, one of the things I did as well is I had been up until that point, I had been pretty consistently dating. I had been in a relationship for three years prior to that. Uh, we had broken up and I was, I was dating again and I will never forget. I was driving home, um, after like it was months into, uh, dealing with this anxiety and I was exhausted from having these constant panic. It's almost like a, you know, seizures, like, you know, Mm -hmm. your body gets so tired and you don't know when it's going to hit. You don't know when it's going to hit and then you get so tired from it. And then it happens again. It's just this horrible cycle. So I'm driving home from this date that I had been miserable on and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't, that was the other thing I cut out. I I was like, I need to be by myself for a Mm -hmm. while. And that was a very, very conscious decision. So that was 2014 and it is now 2022 and I've been single ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, let's go into that because um, prior to this, uh, prior to you and I being on this podcast, we had chatted before and you had talked about chapter two and a lot of, lot of us or folks refer to the chapter two as our, our next repartnering. Yes. So what is, what is chapter two like define that for you? So it came to my attention and I got really irritated about it that when people talk about chapter two and divorce, it's often, especially when it comes to women, it's often about rebirth and finding yourself and, you know, just like this wonderful, amazing second chapter where you're, you know, again, you're, it's a self-discovery, self-care, all of this stuff. Chapter two, widowhood means you got remarried. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. And mm-hmm. so I feel like there is this underlying thought that if you haven't gotten remarried, you're not in the next chapter of your life. You're stuck. And I hated that. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. and I mean, it's nothing that's ever really been like, it's not documented, but I think anybody listening to this who's widowed, you you know what I'm talking about. Right. This is, that's kind of the, the thought process behind it. So, you know, when I decided to be single, I mean, I have, I'm a person who has had a man in my life since the eighth grade. I mean, it's been constant. And I feel like I have, looking back on it, I've been defined by that. I've been, you know, we as women, a lot of times, especially when you start dating that young and all through your adulthood, you kind of mold yourself to the other person. You're, you know, it's a constant compromise. Yeah. Uh, these things can be great, but also, you know, you're not, you're not free to just do whatever you want to do. Right. To make the a decision and just live with it. You always have yes. to, have, you know, think about the other person. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so it was really, really scary to me in that moment to think about being single again. I had to reimagine what my life was going to look like. How am I going to, how am I going to age as a single person? Um, how am I going to travel? What, you know, how is this all going to look? I needed to re look at, um, what my future was going to look like, but I'll tell you guys, once I figured it out, it's been blissful. I have enjoyed this time in my life so much. And it took me a couple of years. I'm not going to lie. I mean, this took, this was a big adjustment. This mm-hmm. was canceling all dating apps. This was slowly letting go of anybody who, you know, I had had a, a relationship with or texting with or whatever, just kind of slowly backing away from all of that. Um, but then like, once I got over that hump, uh, now it's almost impossible for me to think about being with somebody. <laughs> I enjoy my life so much. Um, 
And it's been, again, it's about self-discovery. It is Mm -hmm. figuring out that you are your own best company. And when you have that figured out, you are never lonely. Yeah. There's just, you have a never ending well of entertainment within you that you're, you know, I'm I'm a big reader. I love listening to podcasts. I love movies. I love getting together with my friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are lots of things that I do. And, and I mean, I will admit I had a few weeks ago, I had this moment and it's pretty rare that I did feel lonely Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there on my bed and I'm like, do I want to start dating again? And I thought, no, I mean, again, this wasn't in my mind, this isn't something that a relationship is going to fix. Right. It's just, you know, you had to sit happens. with that feeling. Like yeah, it's, a feeling it's a feeling that comes in and because you frankly, deal people with it. in relationships have moments of loneliness. Right. I mean, we all have that. Right. So um, anyway, so yeah, so that was a big, this is my chapter two and I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. So you said when you, when you figured it out, so, and I'm always looking for a formula or homework or a secret Oh, man. secret thing. Like I'm sure it wasn't just one overnight. It happened, but what types of things did you, did you do, or did you have to train, retrain your brain yes. into? So can you go into so that a little bit? It really, what it's like breaking a lifelong habit. That's what mm-hmm. it felt like to me. It's like quitting smoking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, okay. you know, you, I mean, it's going cold Turkey and actually I shouldn't say that every once in a while I would go out on a date and think, okay, yeah, I really don't, I don't want to do this, you know? So it was kind of a, a little bit of a slow progression, Um, you know, part of it was in that time too, I moved, I moved houses. Um, when I moved houses from, I had been in the house that I'd been in when my husband passed that I had been in relationships. And when I moved houses, this became my bubble. And I was, I did not want as much as I could control it. I did not want bad memories in this house. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm not bringing anybody into my safety zone that I'm not totally and completely sure of. So as far as like a trick, I wish I could tell you there was just this go-to trick that I have. It's real. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard at first. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of training your mind to go deeper within yourself, to ask yourself mm-hmm. questions to, you know, for me, I'm a writer. That's part of my mm-hmm. process. I can write about these things and that helps a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, and keep in mind too, I did still have kids at home. Right. So it wasn't like I was, I've been totally alone. Mm-hmm. I'm right now staring at the empty nest. That's a whole nother phase. And I'm trying to prepare myself for that as well. Again, as a single woman, how do I want this to look? Um, so I do recognize that there is a difference between being single and being single with kids there. Mm-hmm. You know, I still had that interaction at home. So, yeah. yeah. So were you during this process, were were you supported in any way, like by groups or um, therapy or counseling or anything like that? Or was it? Just oh, my gosh, of... I'm a, I'm a lifelong therapy user. Yeah. So yeah, I'm always I'm always talking to my therapist mm-hmm. as far as groups, not necessarily. Um, and I will say, I think that this I could be wrong. I think that maybe this this decision uh, was an adjustment for my family too, not necessarily the kids, but for my parents and mm-hmm. Because I think that in our minds, we think of people who are married as being settled. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're never settled down or you, or you don't have somebody there who's going to take care of you. Uh, You know, and so that, that's another mind shift. Like I'm settled, but not in the way, you know, traditionally the way that it is. 
Um, but your no, family I, had to get used to it. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, I mean, the kids, I never talked, like, I never point blank said to them, Oh, mom's going to be single from now on. But the, the blessing and the curse I would say with the kids has been, they have seen a strong, independent woman, uh, raise them, do fine financially. You know, I, I am okay by myself. The flip side of that has been, I feel like that I, I, I wish I could have the best of both worlds that they haven't seen an adult relationship in front of them, how adults can interact at home. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like so, a, uh, a model of some yes. kind of how really of, of a relationship, um, exactly. a, a romantic and, relationship. Yeah. And some of those, you know, some of those models are not so great, but you yeah. know, there's, there is that. So, um, again, there's, there's blessings and curses for, for both sides. Right. Um, no, I mean, it really was, it really was making the decision. And, and, and again, I'm a big, uh, believer in if you don't like what, where you are, then it's completely within your power to change it. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do to change it? Mm -hmm. I joined a women's networking group. Um, you know, I'll go to the theater with friends. I will, I golf, you know, there are things that I do. It's almost like I'm able to have a social schedule on my terms. Mm -hmm which I like right. because I'm kind of introverted as well. I mm -hmm. really, really, I'm a person who really needs my downtime. So if I have three meetings in one day, then the next day I can work, but I don't want to interact with anybody. I have to have, so again, it's kind of on my terms. I have control over how social I am. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So you really made, what I'm hearing is you really made yourself the priority because when you're in a in a relationship with somebody in, in a healthy relationship with somebody um you are each other's priority you mm -hmm. know like somebody you know thinks about you and wants to know like what do you want for dinner tonight or whatever so there's there's two people having each other's you know back but you have your own back you are your own priority I do and yeah. it's funny that you said that Melissa because I have actually thought recently I'm like have I, have I lost the ability to compromise, you know, because that's what you do in a marriage constantly. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, you're, you're meeting each other's needs and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and in this way, I can be utterly selfish, you know, about my time and my schedule and what I want to do. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Yeah. You know, so that's part of it. I think when I think about maybe being in another relationship is, well, gosh, I just, I don't want to do what I don't want yeah. to do. I just like doing my thing. Yeah. So. But I think you like in other relationships, like, you know, how to do, you know, how to compromise. I mean, yeah. you, it's, it's something, it's a muscle that you've exercised, you yeah. know, in, in, in all your relationships with the kids, family, um, yeah. husband, all the things. Um, yeah. I just, I love how you're just, you're, you're redefining your own chapter two. Like you're oh, take that phrase over and make it something different. You know, Again, like, I just think it's, I think it was so detrimental to this community to have that thought process that, yeah. that that's the only way people are defining that you've moved forward. Yeah. That is just such a disservice. Yeah. I think. And yeah. to not, and, and it's funny too. I, when, the book came out, you know, on Google, I Googled myself at one point. Um, and, uh, you know, they have like the extra questions or whatever at the bottom of a, you know, the bottom of the page. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The number one question there at one point was, did Catherine Tidd get remarried? And I thought, mm. it's not really the most interesting yeah. thing about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Got remarried. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of our culturally that is that is a thing for us is, is, is 
is being settled equals partnership marriage. Absolutely. So yeah. it's funny because people have asked me, are you going to write a, another book? And I have a proposal that's done that my agent has. And I'm kind of, I'm thinking to myself, I don't think this is the sequel that everybody is imagining that it, that it, 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 it could be because it's really focused on being single. Um, that's what the book book is focused the on. The world needs that. I mean, I, widows I so need that. They need yeah. to hear that, hey, this is okay. And if you don't, if you've had this, this partnership and that was it for you, that was the pinnacle, that's great. And you're doing, and you're prioritizing yourself and you're doing everything that you want to do. Travel, you mentioned travel and, and all that. And I'm sure you touch on aging. That would, you know, like something like, how do I, how do I do this? Like, yes. are my kids changing my diapers or <laughs> what, am exactly. I hiring somebody or yeah. Like really the, thinking about that stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing is finding the resources that you need. There's so many resources out there. Right. To just to ask questions, you know, uh, one of the resources that I found as far as the traveling, which just sounds perfect to me is doing like these European river cruises where mm-hmm. you're kind of with a group, but then you can kind of go do your own thing. I just want to travel in a way that somebody's like, Hey, why didn't Catherine show up for dinner? Did she get kidnapped? I mean, that's kind right. of, I don't mm-hmm. mind doing my own thing. I just need to be accountable. To right. Here, yeah, right? So, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, again, it's, it's a lot of self-discovery, but once you get into that mode and that mindset, it's really exciting. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, amazing. Like a whole new world opens up. Like you, you maybe didn't have those thoughts about, you know, maybe I could go on a, you know, a, a, a group hiking trip to the, you know, in Portugal or wherever there's exactly. groups that do that. There's women, there's, they're all over the place, you know, group yeah. travel, solo travel, all that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So there, yeah, there are a lot of opportunities and I, and I think too, you know, we are moving more towards women staying single or staying single longer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, w- women are figuring this out. Like they're, yeah. they're getting this. Yeah. And I, you know, I listened to a, I think it was an interview with Sue Monk kid who wrote secret life of bees. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, she is just fascinating. And she had said something in the interview about, you know, when we discover we have just like this infinite well within ourselves that just can never be, you know, we, we can never discover everything there is to know about ourselves. And mm-hmm. I just think that that is fascinating. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It can be something so simple, but you're, you know, you're creating an experience and you're thinking through it yourself. And I don't know. I just love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I can't wait for your book to come out. That's, Me too. Yeah. Anybody listening to this? Buy yeah. Book. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I mean, publishers buy my book. <laughs> right. You know, it'll happen. It's out there in the I universe. Know. Yeah. The universe. That's right. Yeah. So what type, because you're prioritizing yourself, what, what types of things do you do to fill your well, like self-care and mm. um, what do you do for that? Okay. Again, I'm a huge reader. I'm reading, I read all the time. Um, and I'd read, you know, it's really weird. I read fiction as like a physical book, but I listen to nonfiction. So uh, I, I love, and, and and I've got different groups in my life. I've got different book clubs. I've got a mastermind group for business. So I'm doing those types of books. And then we have discussions. I love any kind of discussion group. Mm-hmm. I'm just all for it. Um, podcasts, love podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually podcasts that I think are going to be so random and I'm not going to resonate with at all are the ones that really strike me. You know, I'll, I'll, 
pull up one on marketing and get through it. And I'm like, oh, that was okay. And then I'll listen to one on parasites and I'll be like, oh my God, that was so interesting. <laughs> so it's really Wow, weird. marketing to parasites. It How is, do we get there? I will listen to just about anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I love my work. I mean, I, I still, I work in marketing and, and um, I, I love that. Um, as far as, you know, again, I belong to different kind of social groups um, and that sort of thing. And again, like I said, it's, it's so nice to be able to schedule that stuff on my own terms. Right. Um, I love to garden. I love to walk. Uh, I love to swim and that sort of thing. So again, those are all things that are, that are sometimes very difficult to get used to. One of the things that was hard for me to get used to, and still a little bit is going to the pool by myself, mm-hmm. uh, when the pool's open in the summer, but uh, and because I've had three kids who have all lifeguarded. So once they hit their teenagers, teenagers, they were like, I'm not going to the pool with you. mom. <laughs> like, I've spent all day there. I'm not going with you. So I've had to do this for a while. Um, but again, I bring my book, I people watch, you know, mm-hmm. all that. So it's, I don't know there anything I can, anything that gets my brain moving. I'm, yeah. I'm all for. Yeah. 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 I'm interested. Like, uh, you mentioned podcast. What, what are you listening to? Like right now? That's really like what this is fascinating. Everybody needs to, to know about this. Hopefully oh, it's gosh. not parasites. Cause I don't well, know. <laughs> okay. So the Ted radio hour, I'm a huge, I love oh, yeah. Ted radio hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh my gosh, Freakonomics. Um, okay. If you have not listened to Dolly Parton's America, you need to listen to that. That is so good. It's is that a, why you have a parton? So I, I, I can you have a parton of uh, yeah. I don't know, what I, is that? Cross stitch. It's a Grand Old Opry poster my daughter gave me for celebrating Dolly Parton's 50th year at the Grand Old Opry. Okay. Because uh, my daughter goes to school in Nashville, so so Dolly uh, Parton's America. Dolly Parton's okay. America. Um, what else? Uh, every little thing. Um. I listened to uh, the Gretchen Rubin podcast. My sister's obsessed with that podcast Um, and her. I love her books. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Again, the Ted Radio Hour is often my go-to. I used to love Oprah Super Soul Sunday, but that, you know, that kind of went away and changed. Uh, But if you want to hear a really good interview by a single woman, pull up Oprah's interview with Tracy Ellis Ross. Uh, she's on Blackish, and I mean, it is fantastic. I just was nodding my head through the entire interview. It was so good. Oh, okay, links are going in on these podcasts. I'm telling <laughs> the you, I, yeah, okay. yeah. Got new things to listen to. Absolutely, oh, that's awesome. Well, before we go, um, I just I want to ask you, like, if there's and we talked, we touched on your book, your new book that's coming out that will come out, Thanks Universe. Yes. Um. What else is like lighting up your world right now? What is like, is this like really good or something that, that you're working on that you're just super excited about or just anything? Well, again, I mean, I love writing. One of the other things that I'm working on right now is um, I just added a page to my website that is called uh, table for one drinks for two. And it is cooking. It's cooking for one, but I'm hoping it's kind of with a twist and what I would like to do because one of the things I was sad to think about as my kids are leaving and being single is I love to cook. I love the Mm -hmm. process. I love everything about it. It's meditative for me. I just love it. And um, I thought, well, my gosh, when everybody goes, you know, what am I, what am I going to do? So my challenge to myself and I hope to others who might want to do it with me is at least once a week, set a beautiful 
plate for yourself. Um, so I'm including some recipes in there, but you know, that once a week, it could be a signature cocktail. It could be a beautiful, you know, charcuterie board for one. And, and then, you know, including these, it could be tea, but mm -hmm. including these recipes in there. And then each recipe I'm including, um, what I'm listening to reading, um, or watching while I'm cooking. Cause I love to watch movies and listen to different bands or whatever. And so I'm including that on each recipe, what I'm doing. So it's really about understanding that we don't have to wait for somebody else to be in our lives in order to do something special and who better to do something special for than ourselves. So create just a beautiful, a beautiful moment for yourself at some point. Oh my gosh. I love that. Is that on your social seed marketing website it's or which website? CatherineTid.com. I'm going to check that out and link to that in the listener notes. That sounds fantastic. Because yeah, I, I do that too. Sure. It's like, I, you know, we get in the habit of just, oh, I'm just going to, you know, eat at the dirty table with all the mail and stuff on it. Or right. like, you know, it'd be nice to just, hey, let's actually have a cloth napkin happen in here or something. You know? I know. And what's super cool about it when I started doing it and researching and everything. So like I'm doing things and, you know, individual baking dishes. And, and again, this is not about a diet and this isn't necessarily budget friendly. Mm -hmm. This is just about that specific mm -hmm. meal. And the cool thing about it, Melissa, is that it makes shopping super fun. So if you're like in an antique store or Goodwill and you see one plate that you think is really cute, buy it. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, at Ross or at World Market and there's one plate on clearance, well, you don't need the whole set. Buy the one plate you know, buy the one beautiful glass that's for a beautiful cocktail or, or whatever, you can really buy this stuff on clearance because you're only buying one. Right. And so it's really fun to shop for. And I thought, oh, this would be really neat if at some point you just had this small space in your cabinet for like your one piece things, those, mm -hmm. those beautiful glasses or that beautiful tea set or something like that. That's just for you. Yeah. And it lights so, you up and it makes ah! you feel special. I love that idea. I can't wait to, to uh, check out your, check that, that page well, out on your you. website. It's, yeah. It's just beginning, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I hope people, and it was funny because I thought, well, I'm just going to throw this out there and see if anybody wants to do this mm -hmm. with me and it got a really big response so I guess I'm not the only one who is looking to do something uh, like this oh that's fantastic so, that's great yeah. well I've had so much uh fun talking with you and I want to talk with you again when your book hits the shelves because that's going to happen oh yeah and I uh, would love to stay connected with you and just thank you so much for sharing your time oh anytime listen again I love the box uh, the filled with gold box. It was awesome. So thank you for sending that my way. And, yeah. and I know others enjoyed it too. So awesome. Thank you. Well, great. Well, thanks. Well, take care. Thank you. You All too. Right. Thanks for joining us this week on the filled with gold widow podcast. This show is made possible by our company filled with gold self-care subscription boxes for widows. It's a box specifically created to support you with self-care in mind. Each box is filled with self-care products, and resources to encourage you to deeply care for yourself during this time when you are rebuilding your life. You can find out more about the Filled with Gold subscription box at filledwithgold.org. And if you want a free widow self-care support guide to help you on this journey, head on over to filledwithgold.org and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. This is Melissa Pierce, and from my heart to yours, take care of yourself.